story one of jim the story of a backwoods police dog and other stories by charles roberts this librivox recording is in the public domain story one part five the fire at brine's rip mills when pretty mary farrell came to brine's rip and set up a modest dressmaker's shop quite close to the mills she said she loved the sound of the saws all the unattached males of the village to say nothing of too many of the attached ones fell instant victims to her charms they were her slaves from the first lifting of her long lashes in their direction tug blackstock the deputy sheriff to be sure did not capitulate quite so promptly as the rest mary had to flash her dark blue eyes upon him at least twice dropping them again with shy admiration then he was at her feet which was a pleasant place to be seeing that those same small feet were shod with a neatness which was a perpetual reproach to the untidy sawdust strewn roadways of brine's rip even big andy the boyish young giant from the oromocto wavered for a few hours in his allegiance to the postmistress but mary was much too tactful to draw upon her pretty shoulders the hostility of such a power as the postmistress and big andy's enthusiasm was cold douched in its first glow as for the women-folk of brine's rip it was not to be expected that they should agree any too cordially with the men on the subject of mary farrell but one instance of mary's tact made even the most irreconcilable of her own sex sheathe their claws in dealing with her she had come from harner's bend the mills at harner's bend were anathema to brine's rip mills a keen trade rivalry had grown up fed by a series of petty but exasperating incidents into a hostility that blazed out on the least occasion and pretty mary had come from harner's bend brine's rip did not find it out till mary's spell had been cast and secured of course but the fact was a bitter one to swallow no one else but mary farrell could have made brine's rip swallow it one day big andy greatly daring and secure in his renovated allegiance to the postmistress ventured to chaff mary about it she turned upon him half amused and half indignant well she demanded isn't harner's bend a good place to come away from do you think i'd ought to have stopped there do i look like the kind of girl that wouldn't come away from harner's bend and me a dressmaker i just couldn't live let alone make a livin among such a dowdy lot of women-folk as they've got over there it isn't dresses they want but oat-sacks and you wouldn't know the difference either when they've got em on the implication was obvious and the women of brine's rip began to allow for possible virtues in miss farrell the postmistress declared that there was no harm in her and even admitted that she might almost be called good-looking if she hadn't such an awful big mouth i have said that all the male folk of brine's rip had capitulated immediately to the summons of mary farrell's eyes but there were two notable exceptions woolly billy and jim both woolly billy's flaxen mop of curls and the great curly black head of jim the dog had turned away coldly from mary's first advances woolly billy preferred men to women anyhow and jim was jealous of tug blackstock's devotion to the petticoated stranger but mary farrell knew how to manage children and dogs as well as men she ignored both jim and woolly billy she did it quite pointedly yet with a gracious politeness that left no room for resentment 
neither the child nor the dog was accustomed to being ignored before long mary's amiable indifference began to make them feel as if they were being left out in the cold they began to think they were losing something because she did not notice them reluctantly at first but by and by with eagerness they courted her attention at last they gained it it was undeniably pleasant from that moment the child and the dog were at mary's well-shod and self-reliant little feet two as summer wore on into autumn the dry weather turned to a veritable drought and all the streams ran lower and lower word came early that the mills at harner's bend over in the next valley had been compelled to shut down for lack of logs but brine's rip exulted unkindly the autonunias fed by a group of cold spring lakes maintained a steady flow there were plenty of logs and the mills had every prospect of working full time all through the autumn presently they began to gather in big orders which would have gone otherwise to harner's bend brine's rip not only exulted but took into itself merit it felt that it must on general principles have deserved well of providence for providence so obviously to take sides with it as august drew to a dusty choking end mary farrell began to collect her accounts her tact and sympathy made this easy for her and women paid up civilly enough who had never been known to do such a thing before unless at the point of a summons mary said she was going to the states perhaps as far as new york itself to renew her stock and study up the latest fashions everyone was much interested woolly billy's eyes brimmed over at the prospect of her absence but he was consoled by the promise of her speedy return with an air-gun and also a toy steam-engine that would really go as for jim his feathery black tail drooped in premonition of a loss but he could not gather exactly what was afoot he was further troubled by an unusual depression on the part of tug blackstock the deputy sheriff seemed to have lost his zest in tracking down evildoers it was nearing ten o'clock on a hot and starless night tug blackstock too restless to sleep wandered down to the silent mill with jim at his heels as he approached jim suddenly went bounding on ahead with a yelp of greeting he fawned upon a small shadowy figure which was seated on a pile of deals close to the water's edge tug blackstock hurried up you here mary all alone at this time of night he exclaimed i come here often answered mary making room for him to sit beside her i wish i'd known it sooner muttered the deputy i like to listen to the rapids and catch glimpses of the water slipping away blindly in the dark said mary it helps one not to think she added with a faint catch in her voice why should you not want to think mary protested blackstock how dreadfully dry everything is replied mary irrelevantly as if heading blackstock off what if there should be a fire at the mill wouldn't the whole village go like a box of matches people might get caught asleep in their beds oh oughtn't there to be more than one night watchman in such dry weather as this i've so often heard of mills catching fire though don't see why they should any more than houses mills most generally get set afire answered the deputy grimly think what it would mean to harner's bend if these mills should get burnt down now it would mean thousands and thousands to them but you're dead right mary about the danger to the village only it depends on the wind 
this time of year and as long as it keeps dry what wind there is blows mostly away from the houses so sparks and brands would just be carried out over the river but if the wind should shift to the southard or thereabouts yes there'd be more watchmen needed i suppose you're thinking about your shop while you're away i was thinking about woolly billy said mary gravely what do i care about the old shop it's insured anyway i'll look out for woolly billy answered blackstock and i'll look out for the shop whether you care about it or not it's yours and your name's on the door and anything of yours anything you've touched and wherever you put your little foot that's something for me to care about i ain't no hand at making pretty speeches mary or paying compliments but i tell you these here old sawdust roads are just wonderful to me now because your little feet have walked on em if only i could think that you could care that i had anything was anything mary worth offering you he had taken her hand and she had yielded it to him he had put his great arm around her shoulders and drawn her to him and for a moment with a little shiver she had leant against him almost cowered against him with the air of a frightened child craving protection but as he spoke on in his quiet strong voice she suddenly tore herself away sprang off to the other end of the pile of deals and began to sob violently he followed her at once but she thrust out both hands go away please don't come near me she appealed somewhat wildly you don't understand anything tug blackstock looked puzzled he seated himself at a distance of several inches and clasped his hands resolutely in his lap of course i won't touch you mary said he if you don't want me to i don't want to do anything you don't want me to never mary but i sure don't understand what you're crying for please don't i'm so sorry i touched you dear but if you knew how i love you how i would give my life for you i think you'd forgive me mary mary gave a bitter little laugh and choked her sobs it isn't that oh no it isn't that she said i i liked it there she panted then she sprang to her feet and faced him and in the gloom he could see her eyes flaming with some intense excitement from a face ghost-white but i won't let you make me love you doug blackwell i won't i won't i won't let you change all my plans all my ambitions i won't give up all i've worked for and schemed for and sold my very soul for just because at last i've met a real man oh i'd soon spoil your life no matter how much you love me you'd soon find how cruel and hard and selfish i am and i'd ruin my own life too do you think i could settle down to spend my life in the backwoods do you think i have no dreams beyond the spruce woods of nipsiwasa county do you think you could imprison me in brine's rip i'd either kill your brave clean soul tug blackstock or i'd kill myself utterly bewildered at this incomprehensible outburst blackstock could only stammer lamely but but i, I thought you kind of liked brine's rip like it the uttermost of scorn was in her voice i hate 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 it i just live to get into the great world where i feel that i belong but i must have money first and i'm going to study and i'm going to make myself somebody i wasn't born for this and she waved her hand with a sweep that took in all the backwoods world i'm getting out of it it would drive me mad oh i sometimes think it has already driven me half mad her tense voice trailed off wearily and she sat down again this time further away 
blackstock sat quite still for a time at last he said gently i do understand you now mary you don't interrupted mary i felt all along i was somehow not good enough for you you're a million miles too good for me she interrupted again energetically but he went on without heeding the protest i hoped somehow that i might be able to make you happy and that's what i want more'n anything else in the world all i have is at your feet mary and i could make it more in time but i'm not a big enough man for you i'm all yours and always will be but i can't make myself no more than i am yes you could tug blackstock she cried real men are scarce in the great world and everywhere you could make yourself a master anywhere if only you would tear yourself loose from here he sprang up and his arms went out as if to seize her but with an effort he checked himself and dropped them stiffly to his side i'm too old to change my spots mary said he i'm stamped for good and all i am some good here i be no good there and i won't never rest being a drag on your plans you could you could urged mary almost desperately but he turned away with his lips set hard not daring to look at her if ever you get tired of it all out there and your own kind calls you back as it will being in your blood i'll be waiting for you mary whatever happens he strode off quickly up the shore the girl stared after him till he was quite out of sight then buried her face in the fur of jim who had willingly obeyed a sign from his master and remained at her side oh my dear if only you could have dared she murmured at last she jumped up with an air of resolve and wandered off apparently aimlessly into the recesses of the mill with one hand resting firmly on jim's collar three two days later mary farrell left brine's rip she hugged and kissed woolly billy very hard before she left and cried a little with him pretending to laugh and she took her three big trunks with her in the long-bodied express wagon which carried the mails although she said she would not be gone more than a month at the outside tug blackstock eyed these three trunks with a sinking heart his only comfort was that he had in his pocket the key of mary's little shop which she had sent to him by woolly billy when the express wagon had rattled and bumped away out of sight there was a general feeling in brine's rip that the whole place had gone flat like stale beer and the saws did not seem to make as cheerful a shrieking as before and black saunders expert runner of logs as he was fell in because he forgot to look where he was going and knocked his head heavily in falling and was almost drowned before they could fish him out there's gonna be some bad luck comin to brine rip before long remarked long jackson in a voice of deepest pessimism it's come long said the deputy that same day the wind changed and blew steadily from the mills right across the village but it brought no change in the weather except a few light showers that did no more than lay the surface dust about a week later it shifted back again and blew steadily away from the village and straight across the river and once more a single night watchman was regarded as sufficient guard against fire a little before daybreak on the second night following this change of wind the watchman was startled by a shrill scream and a heavy splash from the upper end of the great pool where the logs were gathered before being fed up in the saws it sounded like a woman's voice 
as fast as he could stumble over the intervening deals and rubbish he made his way to the spot waving his lantern and calling anxiously there was no sign of any one in the water as he searched he became conscious of a ruddy light at one corner of the mill he turned and dashed back yelling fire fire at the top of his lungs a similar ruddy light was spreading upward in two other corners of the mill frantically he turned on the nearest chemical extinguisher yelling madly all the while but he was already too late the flames were licking up the dry wood with furious appetite in almost as little time as it takes to tell of it the whole great structure was ablaze with all brine's rip in every varying stage of dishabille out gaping at it the little hand-fire engine worked heroically squirting a futile stream upon the flames for a while and then turning its attention to the nearest houses in order to keep them drenched thank god the wind's in the right direction muttered jeb smith the storekeeper and magistrate and the pious ejaculation was echoed fervently through the crowd in the meantime tug blackstock seeing that there was nothing to do in the way of fighting the fire the mill being already devoured was interviewing the distracted watchman sure he agreed it was a trick to get you away long enough for the fires to get a start somebody yelled and chucked in a big stick that's all and of course you run to help you couldn't naturally do nothing else the watchman heaved a huge sigh of relief if blackstock exonerated him from the charge of negligence other people would and his heart had been very heavy at being so fatally fooled it's harner's bend all right that's what it is he muttered if only we could prove it said blackstock searching the damp ground around the edges of the pool which was lighted now as by day presently he saw jim sniffing excitedly at some tracks he hurried over to examine them jim looked up at him and wagged his tail as much as to say so you found them too interesting ain't they what do you make of that demanded blackstock of the watchman boys tracks sure said the latter at once the footprints were small and neat they were of a double-soled larrigan with a low heel of a single welt none of our boys said blackstock wear a larrigan like that especially this time of year one could run light in that larrigan and the soles thick enough to save the foot and it's good for a canoe too he rubbed his chin thinking hard yesterday said the watchman i mind seeing a young half-breed he looked like a slip of a lad very dark complected crossing the road half a mile up yonder he was out of sight in a second like a shatter but i mind noticing he had on larrigans and a brown slouch hat down over his eyes and a dark red handkerchief round his neck it was a stranger in these parts that would account for the voice like a woman's said blackstock following the tracks till they plunged through a tangle of tall bush and here's the handkerchief he added triumphantly grabbing up a dark red thing that fluttered from a branch harner's ben knows something about that boy i'm thinking now bill you go along back and don't say nothing about this mind me and jim will look into it tell old mrs amos and woolly billy not to fret we'll be back soon he slipped the leash into jim's collar gave him the red handkerchief to smell and said seek him jim and jim set off eagerly tugging at the leash because the trail was so fresh and plain to him and he hated to be held back the trail led around behind the village and back to the river bank about a mile below there it followed straight down the shore it was evident to blackstock that his quarry would have a canoe in hiding some distance further down 
there was no time to be lost it was now almost full daybreak and he could follow the trail by himself after all it was only a boy he had to deal with he could trust jim to delay him to hold him at bay he loosed the leash and jim bounded forward at top speed he himself followed at a leisurely loping stride as he trotted on thinking of many things he took out the red handkerchief and examined it again he smelt it curiously his nose was keen like a wild animal's as he sniffed a pang ran through him clutching at his heart he sniffed again his long stride shortened he dropped into a walk he thought over word by word his conversation with mary that night beside the mill his face went gray after a brief struggle he shouted to jim trying to call him back but the eager dog was already far beyond hearing then blackstock broke into a desperate run shouting from time to time he thought of jim's ferocity when on the trail meanwhile the figure of a slim boy very light of foot was speeding far down the river bank clutching a brown slouch hat in one hand as he ran he had an astonishing crop of hair wound in tight coils about his head he was panting heavily and seemed nearly spent at last he halted drew a deep sigh of relief pressed his hands to his heart and plunged into a clump of bushes in the depth of the bushes lay a small birch-bark canoe carefully concealed he tugged at it but for the moment he was too weary to lift it he flung himself down beside it to take breath in the silence his ears caught the sound of light feet padding down the shore he jumped up and peered through the bushes a big black dog was galloping on his trail he drew a long knife and his mouth set itself so hard that the lips went white the dog reached the edge of the bushes the youth slipped behind the canoe jim said he softly the dog whined wagged his tail and plunged in through the bushes the youth's stern lips relaxed he slipped the knife back into its sheath and fondled the dog which was fawning upon him eagerly you'd never go back on me would you jim no matter what i'd done said he in a gentle voice then with an expert twist of his lithe young body he shouldered the canoe and bore it down to the water's edge one of his swarthy hands had suddenly grown much whiter where jim had been licking it before stepping into the canoe this peculiar youth took a scrap of paper from his shirt pocket and an envelope he scribbled something sealed it up addressed the envelope marked it private and gave it to jim who took it in his mouth give that to tug blackstock ordered the youth clearly then he kissed the top of jim's black head pushed off and paddled away swiftly down the river jim proud of his commission set off up the shore at a gallop to meet his master half a mile back he met him blackstock snatched the letter from jim's mouth praising heaven that the dog had for once failed in his duty he tore open the letter it said yes i did it i had to do it but you could have saved me if you dared for i do love you tug blackstock mary a month later a parcel came from new york for woolly billy containing an air-gun and a toy steam-engine that would really go but it contained no address and brine's rip said that tug blackstock had been bested for once because he never succeeded in finding out who burnt down the mills end of story one part five